Thank you. Thank you. You know, in the early service, they just kind of went on and on and on and on. You, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I really appreciate it. Um, as forced as you were into that, I still appreciate it. Um, hey, I, Sean, is it your birthday today? Is it? How old are you, Sean? He's how old? Oh, nobody cares about 36. That's not a birthday. Call us when you're 40, Sean. It's my dad's too, so you guys got the same birthday. So He's old, because I'm almost 40, so he's old. Um, well, hey, I'm glad. I always like the opportunity I get to do this. Um, I appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming. Uh, they usually don't advertise on preaching for a reason. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever, I'll kind of tell you like kind of where, where I got this sermon was, uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Star Wars? You guys heard that movie? Yeah? I thought it was a documentary. I was sorely disappointed when I watched it. I thought it was real. But, um, but anyways, my son's really been wanting to watch it. And like he's been, he's been bugging me. He's been wanting to watch it. And so like a good parent, I was like, well, have your friends watched it? And then he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, that's good enough for me. All right, let's watch it. So... <laughs> Um, so anyways, we've been, I, I've been letting him watch Star Wars, and, um, and first of all, another side note on the Star Wars thing, if you're like a Star Wars fan, and you're like, you know what, I need to go watch those, one of those first three from the 2000s, just like maybe give them another chance, don't do it. They are worse than you remember them. They are, I can do 25 minutes on how horrible those ones are. I made it through like a quarter of one of them, and they're terrible. So don't do that. Don't waste your time. But anyways, in the Star Wars movie, there's like offshoots, apparently. There's a couple, like the Han Solo story and another one. And that's what this sermon's going to kind of be. Because I'm not going to go along with the series that Sean's been speaking on Matthew. But he gave a sermon a few weeks ago, and I kind of had this thought that I wrote down. And, and it was when Sean was talking about a couple weeks ago, kind of what Jesus meant when he was talking to the disciples, when he was telling them, like, why do you have such little faith? And, and what I wrote down in my phone was, Kind of because it kind of spoke to me, and I've kind of been thinking about this the last um, the last few weeks. Is why were the people closest to Jesus have such little faith? Right, because their lives they don't look like they have little faith. They're following Jesus. They've given up everything they have. They're following Jesus around. But the thing is, like this is it's not necessarily, I guess, a theme in the Bible, but this shows up at other times. If you think about the Israelites as they're out in the desert. And, and Jesus had led them out into the desert, and, and, and they're, they're hungry, and they're like, are we just going to come out here and starve? And God's like, are you kidding me? Will you have some faith? I sent the plagues. I split the Red Sea. I destroyed the Egyptian army. I'll feed you. And so for me, and I think us as Christians, as disciples now 2,000 years later, as followers of Christ, just like the 12 were, I have like this thought and kind of like this weight on my, on my shoulders. Like if Jesus comes back tomorrow, is he going to go like, hey, Zach, come here. Come here. See that guy over there? Hadn't been in church in 15 years. Maybe he's got an addiction issue. Womanizer. He's got more faith than you do, Zach. And it kind of hit me because, like I said, this happens throughout the Bible. And I wonder like why like, how can this happen as Christians where we, where, where God would say to us, like, why don't you have as much faith as they do? 
And it really got me thinking, and why? Because I think it is a trap as Christians that we can fall into that, that maybe we lose a little bit of our faith, maybe we lose a little bit of our why we're doing things. And I think one of the things is that, that, I, that I really thought about was, I think lots of times we equate faith and belief as the same thing. And I feel like belief, we've kind of lost the meaning of belief, you know? Like if somebody came up to me and they're like, hey, Zach, you think this junky old ladder would hold me? And I'd be like, yeah, I believe so. Even though maybe it won't. Like if I'm 50.1% sure, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that'll work. But faith's a different deal. That's where we're sure of what we haven't seen. That's where we're certain. And I wonder why, as Christians, sometimes... God has said this to us. I think the other thing might be this too. I think the other thing that happens to us as Christians lots of times is we do, oh man, I hate this when it doesn't do the face ID and all my notes are on here. There it is. Okay, sorry. Um, I think the other thing that happens to us as Christians is this. Is as Christians, there's a lot of things we do, Right? And we, 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 we accept God into our hearts. We say, God, you are powerful. You are mighty. We know you'll take care of us. You, you feed and you clothe the birds. We know you'll do the same for us. And then we start doing all these things that, that we know are good and uplifting to God, like going to church, doing Bible study, reading our Bibles, praying, tithing, and all these things that we know that Christians do and that, that we do all the time. And we, and we do this every week, and we, and we constantly do it. And I think what it becomes is it becomes a habit, which is a good thing. These are good habits to have. But I think lots of times they just become part of our daily life, and they're just another box we got to check. We got to, well, we, you know, we got a pair of bills. We got to pay our tithe, and we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. And we, we kind of just go through life, and we start checking the boxes, and they start to become the, one of the monotonous things we have to do, like getting up and going to work. Well, Sunday, we got to go to church, and then we got to do this. And I think lots of times we lose the why of why we're doing these things. And I think that's maybe why sometimes God could look at my life and say, Zach, where did your faith go? Yeah, you're doing a lot of the right things, but you've, where's your faith? But yeah, God, I'm doing all these things. Yeah, but Zach, where's your faith? And that's, that's what I want to talk about today because I think it's an easy trap we can fall into. I think we get really good at doing all the things we're supposed to do and checking all those boxes. But man, would it be sad if Jesus came to us and said, Zach, what happened to your faith? And it's also made me think about, I've been talking to my kids a lot about recently, um, especially my junior hires, about this idea of legacy. Like what it, what it means, like what are, and not so much about worry about what your friends say about you, but what it is that people would say about you based on your actions, that, that your actions mean something. What you do leaves imprints on other people, and what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to think about? What do you want people to think about when they think about you? Or if they're describing you to somebody else, what do you want them to say? Because every day, our actions, we leave that imprint on people around us. And then also, with my other, with my son, um, and anyways, if, and it, this, this little thing for you, if you want to challenge your Old Testament knowledge or your 
Old Testament theology, I challenge you to do this. Read a seven-year-old the book of Ezekiel. Um, that joke kills at Bible college. But, uh, but read a seven-year-old the book of Ezekiel, because the book of Ezekiel is kind of a, one of these crazy books. It's a wild book. I mean, the life of Ezekiel was a one-of-a-kind life. And then you got a seven-year-old asking you, a talkative seven-year-old at that, if you ever met my son, asking you 45 questions after every chapter. Um, that's a fun experience. So I shouldn't have named him after the book. I should have named him after a little easier book. But, um, but anyways, I think about this, and as I was reading through the book of Ezekiel, and if you're not familiar with the book of Ezekiel, it's basically a story of Ezekiel was a priest who became... He was a prophet as well, and, and he's prophesying, especially the first half of Ezekiel, he's prophesying to the Israelite people because they turned their backs on God, they turned to idols, and he's basically telling them God is angry and he's going to destroy Israel. He's gonna, there's going to be death, there's going to be destruction, the people who don't die are going to be scattered across the earth, or they're going to be captives by the Babylonians, and they're coming, they're coming. And for years and years and years, Ezekiel was prophesying against them. And the thing about Ezekiel that makes him, one of the things that makes him so unique is the things that God asked Ezekiel to do to kind of portray what was going to happen. Like one time he lays on his back for a really, really long time, I think it was almost a year, where he's called to lay on his side and prophesy. At one point he eats a scroll. He does these outlandish things, and even at one point, the other prophets, or the prophets, the false prophets in Israel, start telling all the other Israelite people, don't worry about Ezekiel, he's been telling us this for years, it's not going to happen forever, just chill out, just keep doing what you're doing. And day after day after day, Ezekiel for years wakes up and he tells the message that God has called him to do. He wakes up and do this, this really, not a very fun deal going out and telling the Israelites all these horrible things that are going to happen and all the evil things they've done. And this isn't like a Jonah situation where the Ninevites turn away from what they did and, and, and become redeemed, but this is a story where the Babylonians end up do coming. And the last half of the book is, is Ezekiel actually saying that we're going to return to Israel at some point. But that first half, every day he wakes up and he goes out and he does what God calls him to do. And I think about, what do you think about when you think about Ezekiel? What kind of man, what kind of legacy did he leave? And the thing about Ezekiel, when you break it down, besides doing outlandish kind of crazy things that God called him to do, the thing is the guy woke up with faith every day. The guy woke up, he wasn't checking boxes. He wasn't marking things off his list. He was waking up and following God every single day with no real thought, no real idea. And I'm sure maybe he probably had them, but he ignored them of, so, of culture, of socially acceptable things, of things that aren't going to make him look crazy. But he just woke up every day and did what God called him to do every day, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult. But Ezekiel was not going through the motions of life. He woke up with a purpose and a faith to go forward, and that is the legacy that I think that when you sit back and you think of the one thing, if you had one word to describe Ezekiel, I think that would be it, was the faith to follow God no matter what it was he asked us to do. And I think so many times as Christians, we get caught up in the fact of checking the boxes 
and making it look good and doing it right, doing it the right way, and sometimes, so many times, we forget to look up. Ezekiel, when I read that story and I think about it, that's a man who woke up and he looked up and said, what am I doing today? He didn't so much look at the task right in front of him, but he looked up. Maybe he wasn't happy about it. Maybe, maybe he struggled with some of it. But the guy went out and he did it and he looked up and he knew the reason he was doing it. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. I actually took a, uh, um, a sales training. Uh, so I'm like in agricultural sales. And I took a sales training. And I've been to a few of them. But this last one I took was really good. It was actually from a guy out of Purdue. And they actually study um, more agricultural sales. But he kind of... He actually did something really smart, and it's kind of obvious. Instead of like figuring out how do we sell, he went and actually studied buying habits and tried to figure out why people buy, right? Then you could sell a lot easier if you know how people buy, right? It kind of makes sense. But he kind of went through the history of sales. And so if you look back like at the 50s, for like 30 years, sales was this. It was features and benefits. That was sales. You want to buy this chair? Look at the features of this chair. It has really long legs so you can reach your thing. If you're really short like you are, Zach, maybe you need a really long chair so you can sit in it. You know? Um, look, at the, oh, look at the cushion on this chair, Zach. You're getting a little overweight. This would be perfect for you. But it was features and benefits. What are the features? What are the benefits of them? And then we kind of got in this mode where, where, where sales training was kind of like, what's your need? What's your need, you know? Zach, you're really short and the table's tall. You need to have a big chair, you know? Zach, you need some marks on the bottom of the chair to take, take the attention off your face, right? <laughs> Things like that. You, the need, they were trying to fill my needs. But here's the thing is what, what, what the guys now discovered, and I think a little bit of this is how self-centered our culture is too, but, but what he discovered is this, is that, it's this idea of nobody cares what you know unless they know that you care. As a customer, you go in somewhere and you want that person to care about you. And you want that person to talk about you. You want that person. And the thing is what happens psychologically, when I come up here and I talk about features and benefits of this chair I'm trying to sell you, psychologically the customer thinks, well, you're talking about you, not me. And it's an interesting thing, and it makes sense. It's like care about the customer. Care about what the customer cares about, and then they'll buy something from you, which is a fairly obvious thing. But care. Care about what they care about, and I think here's the thing. I think as Christians, lots of times we get caught up in the features and benefits. We get caught up in the things we're supposed to do instead of sitting back and caring about what God cares about. I think so many times we get focused on the what we're trying to do every single day and how we are going to do it, that we lose sight of why we're doing it and what God has called us to do. I think it's very easy for us as Christians where we do these things, like we live our life a certain way and we, we have certain rules and we follow certain things and it's easy to just keep feeling like, man, if I just keep doing it, if I just keep doing it, if I just keep doing it, and it's all about me. If I just keep doing it. And sometimes I feel like that maybe we feel like God needs us instead of the other way around. And I think it becomes a real cycle for us. And I think that's lots of times how us as Christians, God kind of whispers in our ear and goes, hey, where's your faith going? You know, throughout 
Paul's writings, Paul is writing to churches. Um, oh, I did it again. There it goes. There it goes. I'm sorry. I try, Anyways, but um, throughout his scripture, Paul's writing to, to different churches that he started or that, that kind of come from his tree. With their, their, but in every single, like most of his writings, he's writing to churches that have issues in their churches. And he is addressing the issues in the churches, you know, individual issues, things that were going wrong in the churches, and he gives them teaching, and he gives them guidance, and he gives them things, and they're very applicable to what we're doing now. But I feel like also when you look at Paul's greater message to each one of these churches, it's kind of the same. If you, if you summed it up in a real simple sentence, and so let's look at a couple of them. Let's look at the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth, so 2 Corinthians, we're going to leave to them. There was division and there was doubting Paul's apostleship. And so if we look at 2 Corinthians 5, he says, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home or we are in the body or or." Oh, excuse me, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. You see, Paul is saying, yeah, you've got these problems, but you guys look up. Look at what's going on. Look, look towards God. In, in, um, in Galatians, basically, they, they, you had a faction of people telling people that they need to follow the Mosaic laws. And I love this one. Because I feel like this is something that God needs to say to me sometimes, and this is the thing. He starts out in Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? In that church, they were so busy trying to follow all the laws and check all the boxes. And Paul writes them and says, you foolish Galatians. Did you receive it by what you did or by what you believed? Colossians, this is probably my favorite one here. Colossians, basically what was going on, like the big theme was basically it was people denying that Jesus was who he was. Colossians is a very interesting book because Paul uses some of the most strong language about who Jesus is, who Jesus was, as he does in any of his other writings. And he says this, this is Colossians 3.1. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, comma, who is your life. Some of your Bibles might say our life. So when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will be appear with him in glory. But I love that line. When Christ, who is your life. He tells him again, look up. So many times we look right in front of us and we try to check the box and we try to do the thing and over and over from the front to the back, the Bible says, look up. 
I'll tell you a quick story, like a quick example, and it's actually just about this sermon. I got a text on Friday uh, from Sean, and it said, hey, Zach, what are you preaching about? Probably because he wanted to say it in his video. And I said, honestly, dude, I'm struggling. I said, I got, and I literally had nothing. I had that little note I wrote, and I had the book of Colossians. I think I told Sean in the text, yeah, I think I'm going to do something from Colossians 4. I even got the chapter wrong. And I was struggling. I could not think. I felt like this is what I wanted to say, but I did not, could not put it into words. I could not justify. I could not do it. And honestly, the whole week, I just kept kicking myself, thinking, why did I say yes to Sean? It's April Work is crazy right now. My kids got stuff. I got my house. And I just kept thinking, I got to get this done. I'm such an idiot. I do this every year in, a, in like March and April. And you know, I'm taking like 50 phone calls a day. I can't think. And I just, I, and then finally it was Friday. And I was like, dude, it's Friday, Zach. And I just put my phone in my truck. And I was in this field. And I was just like, God, what am I doing? Like, you idiot. You just made this like some other box you got to check, like one more thing I got to get done. And I made it about me. I made it one more thing, oh, that I got to do. I got to get this done, and I forgot. I'm just an idiot who's not afraid to talk in front of people with a microphone. That's all I am. But it's an opportunity for God to use me. It's not... It's not something that I'm, I'm great at. And I was trying to do it myself and I was trying to check that box and I threw this thing in the list with everything else, with work, kids, everything else, and I forgot, look up. And you know what? I never got a phone call the rest of the afternoon. Turned off my radio in my truck and, and yeah, that's how it works, duh. But you see, I think so many times as we live a life of a Christian, after a while we think we're doing it. And we forget that Jesus is our life. And that for, if you look from the front of this book to the back of this book, everybody had issues, everybody had problems. And it always says, look up. And so many times we just look right in front of us and try to figure out how we're going to do it how we're going to solve the problem, how we're going to beat this addiction, how we're going to fix this sin, and maybe if I fix this sin, then I'm going to go to God. But Jesus is our life. And so it doesn't matter if it's a church thing. It doesn't matter if it's a work thing. It doesn't matter if it's a kid thing. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship thing. Jesus says, I'm here. Look up. I will take care of you. Look how I've clothed the flowers and, I've, and I take care of the birds and all this over and over and over again. He says, have faith in me and I will take care of you. And why is it when we sit in church and we come and we tithe and we, we forget it? We forget the basis of it. We forget the core of it. That we have a God that loves us so much, that he's given us so much, that he'll take care of us, that we look up and we follow him and all of this will take care of itself. We'll figure out how to do life. It may not be always be easy. It may not be always this, but we'll figure it out as long as we keep our eyes fixed on the right thing and we continue to look up. So if you take anything from this sermon, anything, the first three Star Wars are terrible. No, I'm joking. 
anything from the sermon. Just remember, I don't care what's going on in your life. Don't forget to look up. Because God is there for and he wants to help.